If markets were dead on about China's reopening, and they were, what else might they be right about? That's the question that we should be asking. Not the question about why has China's reopening failed so spectacularly, or why was everyone so convinced that China's reopening was going to be a big deal? It's not for the reasons that you might think. Now, it sounded plausible, which was really the point here. If you thought that China's COVID uh, pandemic politics were the reasons for economic weakness in 2022, then removing those restrictions in 2023 should have allowed the economy to flourish. And it flourished in just the nick of time. Remember, China's reopening was going to contribute to this up upwelling of support, keeping the global economy out of the deflationary recession that continues to close in around everywhere else. But that was only ever a narrative, a narrative that was built on, first of all, the soft landing and some people who went further into re-inflationary pressures or re-inflation, however you want to characterize it. China's reopening gave that narrative a bit of legitimacy, a bit that sounded plausible enough that we could go forward with this global soft landing, global re-inflation, because if the Chinese economy was going to flourish, that was going to pressure or repressure consumer prices around the world, which obviously it didn't happen. We've seen only more and more disinflation, if not outright deflation, especially in places like China. Why did reopening fail? Not why did so many people buy into it, but why did it not work out that way? Because that's what the data shows. And now here we have the reckoning or the reordering or the revising going on where Economists and models around the world have to give up on the soft landing narrative, at least where it comes to China. Here's Bloomberg just today. China's disappointing economic growth figures prompted several economists to downgrade their forecasts for the year, citing major weaknesses in the recovery and Beijing's relatively muted stimulus response. Because in addition to all the economic data, which we'll get to, the Chinese government, the Chinese people, the People's Bank of China, the central bank announced that they were holding the MLF or medium term lending facility steady at 2.65%, which means no rate cuts in July like there were in June. The government does not want to go back into the Keynesian playbook. At most, they want to project confidence, but at the same time, if they have to, modest targeted measures like last month's minimal rate cut, but none this month. China's not going to go back and flood the world with stimulus. That's just not in Xi Jinping's thought. So instead, JP Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, Citigroup were among banks to cut their projections for economic growth this year to 5%, putting Beijing's official gross domestic product target around 5% at risk. See, no, it was never really at risk because the government said all along, we're not as certain as those in the West make it sound to be. That's why their, their GDP target for 2023 was around 5%. They're gonna let it they're gonna let the economy play out, even if that means coming in late to China being pulled more and more into the global deflationary recession, which is exactly what the data shows us for the month of June and really the first half of the year. It's not just failed reopening. It's about markets being right about failed reopening and being right about what that actually means for, for many places, the global economy far outside of China. But first, I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available, exclusive content where we talk about what a Eurodollar is, what it's supposed to do, what it's made up and how it's supposed to work and maybe why it isn't working. 
We also have research subscriptions available, a daily briefing I contribute to MarketsInsiderPro.com, as well as a daily deep dive analysis where every day we dive deep into these topics, China, macro, global deflation, money, all of these things that are important to you today, as well as what they're going to mean tomorrow. The information available for you at our website, Eurodollar.University. Even before we got to the June or second quarter numbers from the Chinese, the International Energy Administration, or IEA, last week put out their flagship energy report for the month of July, which basically previewed everything that we're going to talk about in this particular show, this particular episode today. But again, it's, it's not just about China, but China's reopening, destroying the narrative because the weakness is beyond China's borders. China's not, obviously not helping, but it's not just the Chinese economy that's struggling here. Here's what the IEA said just last week. Global oil demand is project, projected to climb by 2.2 million barrels per day in 2023 to reach 102.1 million barrels a day, a new record. Well, there's a new record every year. However, persistent macroeconomic headwinds apparent in a deepening manufacturing slump have led us to revise our 2023 growth estimate lower for the first time this year. So like a lot of places, including the, the economists and their models that I mentioned earlier that were cited in downgrading their estimates for this year, the IEA is doing the same thing because they thought China's reopening was going to contribute something positive. But instead, going back to the IEA, Benchmark crude prices traded in a narrow range in June as persistent economic woes overshadow deepening supply cuts from some OPEC plus countries. Amid an overall slackening in oil demand growth, as the markets told us, China's widely anticipated reopening has so far failed to extend beyond travel and services, with its economic recovery losing steam after the bounce earlier in the year. So OPEC, and in particular Saudi Arabia, has been forced to try to balance supply cuts with shrinking demand, or demand that's not living up to all the hype. Which again brings us back to that original question. Not why was everybody on the hype, again, that was all about building the soft landing narrative, but why did China's reopening fail so quickly, so thoroughly, and as the data will go over reveals, put China in position to be falling into the same global recession that we've been talking about. That's really the question. And it's the one nobody wants to answer. Nobody really wants to ask. Instead, we just get, oh, China's, China's recovery is disappointing and the government doesn't seem to be doing much about it. But we'll hope that as the recovery continues to disappoint, Beijing will come to his senses and go back into the Keynesian playbook. None of those things are likely to happen just from from, from a perspective of observing what's been going on in China, as well as backed up by what markets have been telling us all along. They were right about China reopening and a whole lot more. As the statistics, let's go into the data here. GDP, one of the major disappointments for the second quarter. Remember, we're, par we're comparing the second quarter of 2023 to the Shanghai big lockdown quarter in 2022, second quarter of 2022, where GDP on a quarterly basis was actually negative, minus 1.9% quarter over quarter. On an annual basis last year, it was basically flat. So these are the easiest comparisons you're going to get for China GDP. And even so, year over year GDP came out to be just 6.3%. 
That's that's that wouldn't even be a good number on any given quarter, let alone one that's comparing to the to the lockdown quarters in 2022. So a huge disappointment there. Uh, quarter over quarter basis. So Q2 compared to Q1 2023, just 0.8% compared to, to the first quarter, which was 2.2%. 0.8% for China. I mean, just do the math here. That's about a 3.5% annual rate. Not good. That's like a lockdown quarter. Maybe not as bad as the big one in the second quarter of last year, but 0.8% is comparable to the fourth quarter of 2022 when China was transitioning from zero COVID to the waves of COVID that had been unleashed and heading into reopening. 0.5% in the fourth quarter of 2022, 0.7% quarter over quarter in the first quarter of 2021. So the second quarter of 2023, which is supposed to have been this flourishing, booming Chinese economy, Instead, looks more like a lockdown, except this time we don't have the lockdowns to blame. Again, there's more going on here than just pandemic politics. And it goes right down the line. The best number here was industrial production for the month of June, year over year, 4.4% growth. Again, that's an easy comparison to last June. Still only 4.4% growth. That was a little bit better than expected, but in reality, it isn't any different than May's 3.5%, which was thoroughly disappointing, or anything over the last several years. It's almost as if, because it is in reality, the China, Chinese have used the pandemic to excuse a serious downshift in their economy. Because you think about before 2020, these numbers would have been absolutely staggering. They would have been horrific, consistent with a global recession. Maybe they are. But instead, now they've, we've become normalized to them for various reasons that the government or Western observers can throw out their various excuses. They're the exact opposite of what you would expect for a soft landing. Again, that was more of a narrative than not. And the big one as far as inflation or lack of inflation or really deflation that we're falling into, capacity utilization in the second quarter was just 74.5%. That's barely more than the 74.3% put in during the first quarter. And 74.5% is, that's about the same as the second quarter of 2020. These are incredibly low capacity utilization numbers, which is exactly why we see deflation in producer prices. And even to, ex to an extent in China, or certainly over the last five months, in consumer prices too. Demand isn't there, overcapacity, that's the deflation you see in the goods economy. In terms of just China's internal economy, retail sales, just another, another ugly month there, which is, again, it exposes the hype because during the reopening period, despite markets telling us not to buy into it, you would see story after story in the Western, in Western mainstream media telling us all about how the Chinese were out and about and splurging. They were spending for the Golden Week. They were spending for the national holiday in May. Supposedly, there was all this pent up cash that consumers had and consumers in China had that were just, they were just waiting for the opportunity to unleash their inner American and go nuts spending on everything. But yet, retail sales month after month after month come in worse and worse and worse. And June was no different. Retail sales in June, just 3.1% year over year. And that was again with an easy comparison in June of 2022 when retail sales were up only 3.1%. So in June, 2023, retail sales, and this is nominal retail sales, were the same as in June, 2022 when China was just coming out of the Shanghai reopening. 
That's how bad retail sales have been in 2023. And it's not just one month or another. It's month after month after month after month. Consumers are not spending. And one big reason why they're not spending, number one, they can tell the global economy and their part in it just isn't performing the way everybody wants it to. Therefore, there's a high degree of uncertainty, especially when you get to the unemployment rate, youth unemployment, which I'll get to in a minute. But more than that, China's real estate and property sector continues to fail. And because China's property sector and real estate sector continues to fail, and because Chinese consumers are exposed through their savings to that sector, it leads to them saying, them, Chinese consumers are not going to spend so long as the property sector continues to ail. And as far as China's government is concerned, they're not going to bail out the property sector. They're going to try to work their way through these problems and keep everything, keep the downside as minimal as possible. But the downside isn't just in real estate. It's also in the real economy, which is what we see in retail sales. As far as the property sector, wow, just ugly number. What, what the, what the numbers show from the Chinese government, the National Bureau of Statistics, is that the property sector did experience a little bit of a boost in the early part of this year, as expected. But in terms of China's real estate, that boost meant less negative, from deep negatives in 2022 to a little bit less negatives. But ever since April, the numbers have been getting more and more negative again. So the property sector boost, which was less negative numbers, less, less shrinking of buying and less, less declines in prices, they're starting to get worse all over again, especially May into June. Here's what the NBS said. In the first half of the year, the capital in place of real estate development enterprises was 6,879.7 billion won, so 6.9 trillion about, a year-on-year -year decrease of 9.8%. Among them, domestic loans were 869 billion, down 11%. Foreign capital was down 49%, but that's a small part. Self-raised funds were... 2 trillion won, down 23.4%. Deposits and advance receipts were down 2.4 trillion won, down 0.9%. Personal mortgage loans were actually up 2.7%. So real estate developers aren't getting funding. Uh, Chinese savings aren't going into the real estate sector. The property sector is a huge mess. Therefore, the economy is a huge mess. And it spills over into fixed asset investment too, or capital expenditures, at least in the way the Chinese account for them. FAI in the month of June, or actually the accumulated year-to-date through June, up just 3.8%. Again, really low number there. That was comparing that compared to 4.0% accumulated in January through May. Private FAI continues to shrink, which outside of 2020, that had never happened before in modern Chinese uh, China's economy. Private, private businesses, they can't get credit. And even if they can, they're more interested in paying down debt or refinancing debt than they are deploying new capital on new projects because who could actually blame them? Even state-owned enterprises or fiscal stimulus, that still comes in relatively weak. The accumulated basis, they are just 8.1% compared to 8.4% in the month of May. So slowing down even in state-owned enterprises, fixed asset investment. All of this economic negativity leads to what is China's biggest problem nowadays. Well, they have lots of big problems, but this is this is the biggest one. The, the overall unemployment rate held steady at 5.2%, which in and of itself, that's a problem too. 5.2% isn't a great number for China, but the youth unemployment re record or the youth unemployment rate surged to a record 
21.3% in June. China is not generating enough new jobs to absorb new entrants into the workforce. And when we talk about youth unemployment, it's really ages 16 to 24. So it's not necessarily youth, it's those who might've been in, in what we call high school here in America, as well as university, and then graduating and entering the workforce to what's supposed to be a robust economy, at least according to the reopening narrative, therefore allowing these new entrants to be absorbed in the workforce with gainful employment. But China's youth unemployment rate has been rising really since the downturn in 2018 and 2019 because China's economy is running into long-run structural issues, which I've talked about endlessly on the show before. Check out some other videos if you want to know exactly what those are. But a lot of it is weakness around the rest of the economy. In very basic terms, China's economy is still oriented to service demand from the United States and Europe and around the rest of the world. And so if there isn't demand from the United States and the rest of the world, despite what people have told you here about a red-hot economy and recovery, the Chinese know better. They can see it in their own economic circumstances. It was never zero COVID that was, that was the reason or the full reason why 2022 was so terrible. Zero COVID made a bad situation worse, but that bad situation remained regardless. And the bad situation, which was lack of recovery in the, West, in the Western world, and particularly the United States, meant that 2023 was going to be a disappointment no matter what else. Instead, 2023 is worse than a disappointment as far as China is concerned because China reopening was quickly overwhelmed by the global deflationary recession that we see all around the rest of the world. And China's government isn't going to come riding to the rescue with some massive bailout of the property sector, of the Chinese economy, or, of, or thereby the global economy. It's just not going to happen. They're going to try to manage their affairs as best they can, realizing their affairs are pretty darn serious to begin with. Because again, global deflationary recession in 2023. I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, Markets Insider Pro, research subscribers, and of course, a sincere thank you to all of our Eurodollar University members. And until next time, take care.